All right. Well, today we're going to look at the power of sharing your story, how sharing your story can have a big impact on those around you. And today we're going to do that by looking at an account in the Bible that we started in last week about a story that had an encounter with Jesus and that she shared her story. And then the people that she shared her story with, they weren't the same. Something happened with them. And as we uh, kind of get ready to get into this passage, I just want to share a couple stories with you, mainly, mainly why I love our church. I know some of you might be thinking, well, Paul, you're a pastor, you're one of the founders of Hope Community, so you automatically have to kind of like love your church. And while some of that is true, I also love this church because I'm not just a pastor, I'm part of this church. I'm in a community group, and because of those community groups, I've made uh, great friends. Uh, my daughter, my kids go to this church. My daughter is three, she's down at HD Kids right now, and she loves coming to church. She loves getting to see Mrs. Carey and the other Mrs. Carey, uh, Mrs. Chelsea and Mrs. Krista, and just loves spending time with, with your kids. Many of your kids are down there right now playing, uh, learning Bible stories, singing songs, and whenever we go home, she's sure to do the hand motions as she sings those songs back to us. She's always excited to tell us uh, what she learned for the day. She's always excited to tell us about the snack. And as a parent, that makes me happy that my daughter loves this church. And maybe that's your story. Maybe some of your kids love coming to this church. Uh, but that's not the only reason why I love this church. I love what you guys are doing. Because here's the thing. You guys that call Hope Community home, you're not content with who's here. And that, that's not like a slight on, on you guys. You guys aren't content. Here's what I mean by that. You guys aren't content because you keep telling other people about Hope Community. You keep sharing the story. You keep talking about what God is doing in your life through Hope Community uh, with your family, with your coworkers, at sporting events. You know, people talk. You say, well, I've got to go to church tonight. And people start asking you questions. And you begin sharing your story and sharing what God has done in your life because of this church. And I love that. I love that about this church, that you guys are inviters, that you keep talking about this church, about what God is doing. And here's the thing, it's not about our church being better than other churches, or it's about, it's not about, um, you know, somehow, you know, us being better inviters than other churches, but it's about you guys knowing that something is different, that because you are part of this church, because you've experienced Jesus' power in and through Hope Community, your life is not the same. And because of that, you want to tell other people, you want other people to experience, to find the same hope that you have found in Jesus because of Hope Community. You know, whenever we experience something like that, whenever we ex experience something that impacts our life in such a powerful way, we want to tell other people. We want other people to be part of that good news that we've experienced. Maybe you've done that. Maybe, like for us, whenever we had our kids, as soon as we got settled into our regular hospital room, we started calling our family members. We started sending out texts, pictures, letting people know the good news about the birth of our children. Maybe you did that too. Maybe your family was waiting right outside the door, just waiting for that good news, waiting to hear, you know, was it a boy, was it a girl? How big is that baby? Waiting to hear the cry, to experience that good news. Maybe some of you don't have kids yet. Maybe you don't have kids at all. Maybe you've kind of forgotten about that because your kids are grown and out of the house. But maybe you can remember, remember when you got engaged. The good news about telling everybody, the, the good news about getting engaged, going around and showing everybody that ring. Maybe for some of you, it was whenever you got into the college that got, that got that college acceptance letter. You went around showing everybody, taking pictures of it, posting it on social media, wanting everybody to know the good news that you'd gotten into the college of your dreams. Maybe for some of you, it was whenever you got the job, the job that you'd been trying so hard to get, 
Maybe for others of you, it was whenever you got then the promotion that you've been waiting and trying so, so hard to get that other people finally recognize your hard work that you've been putting in. And they gave you that promotion. Maybe for others of you, maybe it was whenever you got that apartment that you've been trying to get. When it was an upgrade from the previous apartment, or maybe when it was whenever you bought your first house. Whatever it was, whatever good news you've experienced, chances are you have immediately went and told other people. Because we want people to experience the good news, ex- the things that we're experiencing. And so today we're going to look at an account that we started in last week in John's Gospel. So if you brought a Bible um, or you have your mobile device, open up your Bible app. But we're going to be in John chapter 4. The words are also going to be up here uh, if you want to follow along. But we'll be back in John chapter 4. Now John chapter 4, we started in last week with an account of a woman at the well, if you read the, the, the heading for that section. And it's not just about this woman coming to a well. It's about this woman coming to a well and then having, a, having an interaction with Jesus. You see, the woman was a Samaritan woman, and the Jews and the Samaritans, they had a mutual hatred for one another. They didn't get along whatsoever. And Jesus, using this as an opportunity to continue to further his mission, begins a conversation with this woman. He invites her into his story. And he tells her that he can provide her with living water. That is water that will well up into her, becoming in her a spring of life. It will flow out and become a blessing to those around her. Things like a blessing of things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. And that woman recognized that she needed to drink from that living water. And so she did. She, she accepted that, that good news that Jesus had to offer, although she still had some doubts, as we're going to see. And so that's where we were last week. And so today we're going to pick up the second half of that passage, and we're going to see what she does. Why did it go back that way? All right, we're just going to forget that for today and just do this. So just then his disciples arrived, and that they were amazed because they went into town to get food. They were amazed that he was talking with a woman. They were amazed that Jesus was talking with a woman because at this time it was very uncommon and it was actually it was socially unacceptable for men to talk to a, a woman in public that was not their spouse or a daughter or another family member. And so they were shocked, not just that Jesus was talking to this woman, but that he was talking to a Samaritan woman. You know, one of those people that we don't talk to those people. We don't associate with them because we might get the Samaritan in us. It might rub on off, uh, off on us if we do that. And so they were amazed that he was talking with this woman. And yet no one said, what do you want? Or why are you talking with him? We don't know why they they didn't say that. It's not because the the disciples had great self-restraint. In fact, if we read the other accounts of the life of Jesus, the other gospels, we know that they had very little self-constraint. In fact, uh, the gospel writer John, whose account we're reading today, him and his brother James, at one point, wanted to call down fire from heaven to destroy an entire village. Um, then you have the Apostle Peter, who uh, is known as the, the apostle with the foot-shaped mouth because he's constantly putting his mouth or his foot in his mouth. Uh, he was always saying the wrong thing, or maybe it was the right thing, just at the wrong time. And so they didn't have great self-restraint. And so we don't know why they didn't ask Jesus, what are you doing? Perhaps it was because they were finally started to accept that Jesus never followed the social conventions of the day. Because Jesus' message wasn't just for the Jewish people, it was for all people. Everyone, regardless of their social standing, including this, this woman that was from Samaria. So they arrived then at just the right time. You see, had the disciples arrived a little bit earlier, 
they might have actually said this stuff. They might have interrupted Jesus and interrupted what was happening, the thing that Jesus was doing in this woman as he was inviting her into his story. Had they arrived a little bit later, they may have missed the entire thing completely. They may have, she might have already been going back into town with her water jar. And so they came at just the right time. They got to see Jesus carrying out his mission that he said that he was going to do to take his good news, the good news of God's kingdom that was here and coming through Jesus to the social outcast, to those people that were hated by the Jewish people. And it continues, it says, Then the woman left her water jar and went into town and told the people, Come, see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And then they led her to town. Then they left the town and made their way to him. I love that John includes the fact that this woman left her water jar. That she, whatever for whatever reason, she decided to leave it there. You know, scholars speculate as to you know why she left it, because John included that detail for a reason. Some think that maybe she left it because she just simply was so excited that she forgot to take it with her. And that others speculate that maybe she actually just left it so that way Jesus could get a drink because that's why he was talking to her in the first place. He was thirsty. Others speculate that maybe she left her water jar as a symbolic uh, reason for her turning now to drink from that well of living water, that water that would never run dry, that water that would never leave her thirsty. In fact, I think that's the more likely explanation as to why she left her water jar because as John will continue to bring up over and over again throughout the rest of his gospel account, that Jesus is that source of living water and something happens whenever people drink from it, that it becomes that, that spring of life bubbling up or jumping up to eternal life. And so that woman, she leaves her water jar and she goes back into town. She goes back into the people and other translations say the men of the town. That's actually a more literal translation of what the word means. It means the men of the town. Very likely it was the influential men of the town, you know, the, the leaders of the town. And so she probably went to the town court. And she said, hey, guys, could this be the one that we've been waiting for? Could this be the Messiah or in their version, the Samaritan version was the, was the Taheb? Could this be the Taheb that we've been waiting for for so long? Come and see. And she's not completely sold that this is actually the one that he's, she's been waiting for because, you know, maybe he just, this Jesus guy, maybe he just talked to the men of the town before, you know, he came out and met me. And so they told him my entire past. But I think there might be something to this guy. And so she invites the men to come and see for themselves, could this be our Messiah? And they made their way to him. You see, this woman met Jesus one person and she left a completely different person. See, that's what Jesus wants to do. He, he had offered her a, a well of living water. She drank from it. And because she got filled up with God's spirit, now new life, these things of love and joy and peace and the ways of God's kingdom was beginning to flow out of her. She was beginning to bless the community, inviting them to come and see for themselves. And I love how she didn't make the statement to these men, look, I've found the one. She invited them in with a question. Come and see. Come and see for yourselves. Give it a try. You see, this, this woman, she didn't have it all figured out. She had her doubts. But yet she knew enough to just give it a try, to take a step of faith and to start following Jesus. In fact, we see the disciples do that as well. They, we know by the end of Jesus' ministry that they still don't get it. Because whenever Jesus is crucified, they're not standing outside the tomb counting down. 
In fact, they lock themselves in an inner room because they think that room is coming for them next. And so the disciples, they, they didn't have it all figured out. Yet they still decided to follow Jesus, to step out in faith. And that's true for us today. That we can start following Jesus without having it all figured out, without having to have all the answers. Because here's the thing. These people in the Bible and the New Testament and John's account, they began following Jesus without having to believe all the things that Christians believe. Because at this time, there were no Christians to believe what Christians believe. In fact, that term Christian came about much later uh, in church history. It means little Christ. It was in Antioch that they first started calling them little Christ. And so that, that's an invitation for us that we can start following Jesus, even without, even without having it all figured out. Even though we might not be fully convinced that, you know, I don't know about all that stuff about Jesus, that he really rose from the dead, because that's, come on, that's impossible. But you know what? I'm going to a, give it a try. And I love what Pastor Andy Stanley says about following Jesus. He says that following Jesus will make your life better and make you better at life. And if I were to go around the room and ask you today or ask you guys watching online if you'd like your life to be better, chances are most of you would say yeah. And here's the thing, following Jesus can do that. It can make your life better. And so this woman, she invites people into the better that she had discovered, the better that she had discovered in Jesus. And so while all that's going on, while the people of the town are coming out to him, we're back at the well. In the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. I mean, come on, Jesus, we just came out here. We've got your falafel. We've got some, uh, some shnorma. We've got some salad for you. Um, you know, this is some really great food. We had to go into Sychar, into that town of Samaritan, buy food from the Samaritans. So just, come on, would you just eat it? But Jesus said, I have food to eat that you do not know about. To which the disciples, probably being practical people like us, would be like, what, what are you talking about? Come on, Jesus. Did that woman bring you food? What are you talking about? The disciples said to one another, could someone have brought him something to eat? Because, again, because they're looking for actual physical food. I mean, Jesus said he was hungry. Go buy some food and come back. So the disciples did that, expecting Jesus to still be hungry whenever they got back there. But Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, Jesus told him. Now, Jesus never failing to, to take an opportunity to teach the disciples as to why he had come, what, the, what his purpose was, and to seek and save the lost, and to seek and save the entire world, decided to use this to show his disciples that he was dependent on God, that he, he was, as, as Deuteronomy 3.8 says, that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the Father that Jesus was living that out, that he had come to do the will of the Father, and in doing the will of the Father, it was satisfying him in a way that that food couldn't satisfy him, much like the water that he had come to supply would never leave people thirsty. It was a well that would never run dry, that they wouldn't have to keep coming back to. And Jesus is saying, look, guys, doing the will of my Father is something that satisfies me. That's why I came. I came to do the will of my Father because I do not live on, on bread alone, on this food that you brought me, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. And whenever he would send his disciples out later on, they would discover that truth, that they couldn't depend just on the physical things, that they needed to be about the Father's will. And in doing their will, they found an incredible fulfillment, a fulfillment that would, that would meet their deepest needs in a way that the physical food couldn't satisfy. Jesus continues on teaching them. He says, don't you say that there are still four months and then comes the harvest? 
This was a, a little proverb statement or a wisdom statement uh, in that day. Basically meaning, look, you plant, and then the earliest that you can harvest is four months later. That you plant, and then you have to wait a period of time. But Jesus is saying, but uh, listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ready for harvest. Again, Jesus speaking in very metaphorical terms isn't talking about a physical harvest, but rather a harvest of God's kingdom. That people are ready now to enter into God's kingdom because Jesus had just sown seeds. He had just sown seeds of his gospel. And the disciples, they, they weren't aware of that. They came back and Jesus look, says, look, the harvest is here. You don't have to wait any longer because some people are coming. The fields are white with harvest, some other translations say. They're ready because I've done the work. And now God's kingdom, people are ready to enter into it. And then he continues on. He says, look, the, the reaper is already receiving pay and, a ga- and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper can rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you did not labor for, and others have labored, and you have benefited from their labor. Jesus, what are you talking about now? Reaping and sowing and, and, and rejoicing. Basically, Jesus is saying, look, and this is another proverbial statement, that one sows and another reaps, meaning that basically the only one that receives any joy from that whole process is the reaper. And so it's, it's, it's a proverb meant to talk about the misfortune of the sower, but Jesus is saying, look, one sows and another reaps, and in my kingdom both can rejoice together because both are necessary for the harvest. One has to sow and one has to reap, and then you have people in between that might be weeding, that might be hoeing, that might be watering and helping to fertilize and, and get those seeds that were planted by the sower to begin to germinate and grow. So we can all rejoice in this together because I have labored and now you guys are about to receive the harvest. And we can rejoice in that because that's the way of my kingdom. And as followers of Jesus, this is something that we have to remember too. That we have no idea who has gone before us and is spreading seeds of God's good news of the kingdom. And other people are coming along, they're hoeing, they're weeding. And sometimes they're weeding things out of us that need taken care of, that, that are distracting us from following Jesus until finally there's a harvest. There's a harvest of entrance, to, uh, of trusting in Jesus as our Savior and recognizing that he is the true king, that he is Lord of lords. And so we can't forget that we're not the only ones. And that sometimes that sowing and that reaping happens at the same time, like we're going to see here in just a second. But sometimes it takes a little while. And Jesus is inviting his disciples to recognize that his way is different. The way of his kingdom is a, and this is a taste of the blessing to come. One can sow and one can reap and both can rejoice together. You don't have to, to mourn the sower. Both can be part of it. The story continues. Now, many Samaritans from that town, they believed in him. That is, that they, they had a knowledge, they, they trust in him because of what the woman said when she testified, when she shared her story, that he told me everything that I ever did. And so when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with him two more days, or asked him to stay, and he stayed there two more days. And many more believed. Many more believed because of what uh, he had said. And they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said, since we have heard for ourselves. We have heard for ourselves and now we, we know, we believe, we have an experiential knowledge of this man, that this really is the savior of the world. 
You see, the, the men of the town, the rest of the people, they believe the testimony of the woman just enough to come and see for themselves. They recognize that something was different about this woman. This woman that always seemed to be filled with shame or distraught, that she always went out to the well by herself, and now she's coming back into town and she's getting all the people together. The people that she would, you know, hide from whenever they would go out to the, to the well in groups. She's now coming back and getting groups of people to go back out to the well. They recognized that something was different and they were convinced because they interacted with Jesus that he was the one that they'd been looking for, that he was the Jewish Messiah. And I find it just so ironic that, you know, Jews and, and Samaritans, they hated one another, but yet because of their interaction with Jesus, this Jewish rabbi, they were different. They recognized that he wasn't like the rest of the Jewish people, that his way was different. And they urged him to stay with them for two more days. You know, Jesus, in the beginning part of John's gospel, in John chapter 1, John calls Jesus the word of God, the logos of God that became flesh, that took on flesh, and that made his dwelling among us. That literally means that he, he bought a house and moved into the neighborhood. And that's what Jesus did here with the Samaritans. He was the word of God that had come to give them life, and he moved in, he dwelled among them for a short period of time, for a couple days. And because Jesus took up residence among these people, they weren't the same. They believed because they had heard for themselves, and they knew now that he really was the savior of the world. Excuse my pen works. He really was the savior of the world. John, in writing his gospel, comes back to this idea of the savior of the world. You see, John, who was one of Jesus' closest followers, recognized that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah, that he was the answer to the world's needs. And because the world needed Jesus, which includes people, that was his focus. You see, you can't have a world without people. Jesus came for the people of the world. He is our Savior. He is the Savior. He was their long-awaited Messiah. And not only that, but John contrasts this with Caesar. Caesar at this time referred to himself as also the Savior of the world. This guy who, who used might to make right, who if, you, uh, if he didn't like you, he could just have you killed. And here you have this humble, lowly Jewish rabbi coming to a group of outcast people and they recognized him for who he was, that he really was the savior of the world, that he was their long-awaited Messiah and he is our long-awaited Messiah because here's the thing, Jesus, the savior of the world, who loved the world in this way, came to a group of outcast people. He came to a group of people that nobody expected the Jewish Messiah to show up and to carry his message to, not only that, but to invite into his kingdom. You see, Jesus showed up and interacted with them, invited them into his greater story, and because of that, they were no longer the same. And he invites us into the same thing. He invites us to follow him, and in doing so, we can never be the same, because he loved the world in this way, that he came for you and I, that he came for us. And so as we kind of begin to wrap up the, the story, we, we learn from this woman how we can share our story in a way that can have an impact on other people. First, this, this woman invited other people in with a question. 
she didn't make a statement and just say, you guys need to follow Jesus. She said, no, come and see. Is this the Jewish Messiah? She wasn't forceful about it. In fact, maybe that's why some of you aren't a Christian. Maybe because you've just been around too many Christians and they've been so forceful about their beliefs. You're like, I don't know if I buy all that. Because if I have to believe that or if I have to become a Republican or if I have to become a Democrat to follow Jesus, I don't want to do that. But this woman invited them in with a question. She wasn't forceful about it. She, she put the ball in their court. She said, could this be the Messiah? Here, guys, here's some information. Come and see for yourselves. Do with it what you will. And so she, she put the ball in their court. She asked them a question. And then she shared her story. This man told me everything that I ever did. She shared her experience with Jesus. And sometimes we miss that whenever it comes to uh, us as Christians trying to, to share our story. If you're in the room today, you're watching online, you're not a Christian, you're off the hook. You don't have to really do anything. But for those of us in the room today, we can learn from this woman. You see, she shared her story. She shared her experience with Jesus. And so often we think that when it comes to sharing the, the gospel or the good news about Jesus, that we have to you know, pass out tracts or something, that we have to you know, share Bible verses, that we have to you know, ask people the question, if you were to die and go to heaven tonight, or if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? This woman didn't do any of that. She simply shared the gospel by sharing her story, by sharing what Jesus had done in and through her. And then finally, she didn't leave these people alone. She journeyed with them on their road to discovery of the Jewish Messiah to see for, her, for themselves if this really was the one that they've been waiting for. And many of you have been through the Alpha course here at Hope Community, and we're going to do it again this fall. But that's one of the things that I love about Alpha, is that it walks through these three things. It begins with questions. That we, we share our stories, we share our experiences with Jesus, uh, that we've had with Jesus, and we journey with people over the course on their way to discovery, to discover for themselves if, if this Jesus thing, if this Christianity thing, if there's really any merit to it. It's not pushy. Anybody's question or anybody's answer is just as valid as the next person's answer. But it's on this journey, like this woman did, to discover who Jesus was. Because this woman had an interaction with Jesus, she was no longer the same. And she went out, she shared her story. And the people that she lived with in that region was never the same. We don't ultimately know what happened, but we know that something was different about the Samaritans. We know that Jesus didn't look on the Samaritans as this group of hated people, the people that were hated by the Jews, but he looked on them with favor. He looked on them with love, of, of hope, because here's the thing, they had been invited into God's kingdom, into the harvest, and now I'm guessing that he sent them out and that they were sowers and they were experiencing the reaping that Jesus was also talking about, the harvest, of seeing more and more people enter into Jesus' kingdom. And so for just a second, I just want to talk to three groups of people. And if you're not a Christian, you're off the hook. But maybe you have good news that you want people to experience. And maybe you can learn something from how this woman shared her story. Maybe you could try sharing whatever good news that you have in that way. Maybe you're in the room today, you're watching online, and you call yourself a Christian. And you're like, I'm great at sharing my story. I'm great about sharing the gospel. I'm like, great continue on. Maybe you can learn something from this woman as well. Maybe you could try sharing more of your experience with Jesus. And maybe some of you in the room are like, sharing my story, talking about Jesus terrifies me. I don't know if I'm ready to do that. 
But here's the thing. This woman didn't have all the answers. And then whenever we share our story, we don't have to have all the answers either. All we have to do is just simply share what God has done in and through us, share our experience with Jesus. And some of you might be thinking, well, I don't have, you know, one of those crazy testimonies or crazy conversion stories of, you know, I did drugs and now I don't. But perhaps you have a story of, you know, I used to be really impatient with my kids. And then I started going to church and now I'm different. I've got more patience with my kids and my spouse. I've got more patience with that coworker at work that really is difficult to get along with. Maybe I'm more loving now because I've had an experience and interaction with Jesus. So maybe that's the story that you need to tell. Maybe when somebody asks you one of those questions that you don't know, maybe just respond with, I don't know. That's a good question, but what I do know is I've experienced this because I've followed Jesus. And as you sow those seeds, trust, pray that other people are, are watering, that other people are weeding, and that God is giving the growth. And that one day, maybe, maybe five minutes from now, maybe, you know, 40 years from now, that you'll see harvest. Because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so Jesus is looking for people to go out to sow and to, to be part of that harvest, to be part of that kingdom. And so that's my challenge for you this morning. To figure out how to share your story this week. Maybe for some of you that have never shared your story, Maybe the first thing that you can do to begin practicing that is to go to our website, hopecommunityonline.org, and click on the Next Steps Launcher in the lower left-hand corner of the page and click on Share My Story. And you can just type out your story. You don't have to record it. You can record a video and upload a video right there, but you can just type it out. And if you, that scares you, if you're not sure how to do that, go to the back after the service to the Woodwall at HC Connect uh, and find Kara, as she can show you how to do that on the hopecommunityonline.org kiosk. Uh, out there in the lobby. But we need to be about our Father's business, about God's work of seeking and saving the lost, about seeking this and saving our community. Because here's the thing, we don't know what kind of impact we could have on our community, on our family, on our friends, if we began to share the things that God is doing in and through us, if we continue to do those. I mean, just imagine for a second, what could happen? And I know some of you have started coming to Hope Community. And I know that your life is not the same. I know the impact that that's having on your family because maybe you didn't grow up in church or maybe you had a rough childhood. And you're just trying your hardest to, to make things better for your kids because here's the thing, we all want things better for those coming after us. And following Jesus will make your life better and make you better at life. So keep showing up. Keep sharing, keep asking questions, and keep trusting that God is working behind the scenes because we don't know what could happen, the impact that our decision to share our story could have on those around us because God's kingdom is not of this world. It works completely differently in ways that we cannot see, that we cannot even imagine.